Hello and welcome to the Retire Once Show. This is episode three. I am Jonathan Rankin. I'm the founder and CEO of Theorem Wealth Management. I'm your host and I am joined by my lovely co-host. Hi, I'm Melissa Rankin. And we are... We are live from the global world headquarters of Dallas, Texas, (laughs) Theorem Wealth Management located in Dallas, Texas. Come on now. So you got the intro wrong. Uh, How are we supposed to do this? At least I got the location right. Okay, that's true. Okay, so we're here. Hopefully you were able to check out our last two episodes. Uh, Before we dive in, we've got a jam-packed show for you today. We're going to be talking all about investment fees. Yay! I know. Doesn't that sound like fun? (laughs) But our goal here is to really help you understand what you're paying within the investments that you own. And I think there's a lot of confusion about investment fees. There's a lot of talk about it, but yet I haven't seen anything that is just a full explanation of here are all the fees that are out there. What are they? So that's what we're going to talk about today. So uh, buckle in. This one's going to be a wild ride. (laughs) And if you're joining us live, it is Friday. So this is just a Nice, fun thing to kick off the weekend, some fees. That's true. So for the uh, the few that are in the room and the millions and millions watching us as we do this, uh, we are happy that you're here. Uh, before we get jump started, uh, make sure that you subscribe if you're watching this on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel so you're notified every time we launch an episode. Uh, if you're listening to this on Apple, Spotify, wherever you're listening to this, subscribe, hit that little button. Uh, make sure you join us. I mean, this is we're, we're trying to build retirement paradise here. That's what we're trying to build. And so be a part of that community. Join our join our little community. We want to help you to it and see you through it That's and all the other cheesy stuff that goes along with it. Exactly. We want you to be like every stock photo of retirees that you see. Running on the beach. Running on the beach, sitting on the beach, holding hands, just randomly holding hands. And maybe throwing up a grandchild in the air or something, you know, all that, of those. That sounds safe. I mean, you know, we've been married now, <laughs> you know, this will be year seven. We've been together for what, 13 years now. I don't know. How often do we just stand around and hold hands? Because we're not retired. That's right. Obviously, <laughs> We're not a stock photo. So um, that's our goal. We want to build this community. So join us, subscribe to everything. Also, you could check out everything we talk about in the show in the description below. If you're watching us on YouTube or in the show notes, uh, you can also head over to retireonceshow.com. That'll link to everything we talk about. So uh, with that, let's 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 get started in some uh, some fun fee talk. Some fee talk. That's right. It's interesting that I mean we say fee talk and chuckle around it because fees are almost like a I don't know like a bad word when it comes to your investments and finances. They shouldn't be. It should be very transparent. Yeah. But it's something that isn't really. I mean, so let's just kick it off. Let's start yeah. with. Account fees. Yeah, account. I think uh, mainly we're you know, with this being a retirement show. Obviously, we're not going to. We're going to try to touch on as many different fees that are out there as possible, but we're really going to focus on the ones that we've seen clients have exposure to. So we're going to start with four hundred one k fees. You know, this is the most popular savings vehicle out there for uh, for retirees. So saving in your company plan. But what does that Most cost? Most people you? think it's free. Yeah, I'm just going to throw that in. Most people think, oh, my company offers it or it's sponsored by my company. It's got to be free. It, it's, it's my money. Well, I mean, it, I think that's, I'm just, you know, going with the the general population. I think most people think it's free. Yeah, there was actually, uh, the, so the Government Accountability Office did a study in 2021 and they said that 40% of planned participants don't understand their fees. And to your point, 41% of people didn't even think they were paying fees. See, and I didn't even know that article. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> So the, it is, 
it is not real, relatively uh, common knowledge that you are paying fees in the 401k. So what are you paying? Well, you know, Department of Labor, they talk about dividing the, the fees into three categories. So you've got investment fees, and we're going to dive into all of that in just a bit. Plan administration fees, and that includes everything that it takes to run the 401k. And then there are individual service fees. So if you're taking out a loan or doing a distribution, uh, any of those little individual fees or services that are done on your specific account, you might incur a fee there. So I know some people, when they take a distribution from their 401k, they might be charged you know, 10 or $20 per transaction. That's a service fee. So those are the three types of fees that are are typically associated with a 401k. And like I said, we'll dive into investment fees here in just a bit. So um, when you look at a, there was a, there was a study from employee fiduciary last year, and they said that the average all in fee of 401ks was 1.18%. I mean, you hear that and you think, okay, well, 1.18%, that's not bad. No, it, it's it's all relative to okay, one point one eight percent of what you know. How does that really right, work? Is that for the overall plan or just for the parts that you're investing? And is that in addition to the the other service fees that you mentioned? What well, is that? And in, in the in the study, they actually found that almost seventy six percent of plans actually paid hidden administrative fees. So not fees that you would see or that are clearly transparent. So I think. You know, my hope is that there's going to be some change in the industry to help make this a lot more transparent of what are you paying so that way you can make a well-informed decision. Of where you want to keep your money. I mean, and that was I just, want to know where my money's going. Absolutely. Well, and that, and that was just one study. There was also, uh, there's the latest edition of the 401k averages book. So this comes out every year. That's a study into 401ks. They said that the average fee was 1.2%. So right in line with the other study. So I think that you know, when we're looking at two different studies and, you know, hundreds of different plans, it, it really is, you're able to get kind of that average of around 1.2 is what's expected. Uh, but then there was the, the, the one that I saw that really stood out, the Center for American Progress did a study. They showed, they said that the fee on average was 2.22%. Which is quite a bit higher than the other two. I mean, it is percent higher than the other one that was done by the the 401k averages book. I mean, that's well, a lot. Well, the, anyway, I think the, the caveat there is that it is that wasn't so that was an older study. And the the range was 0.2% all the way up to 5%. So oh my gosh, yeah, could you imagine a 5% five, fee? If you don't know what your fees are, if you think your fee is anywhere close to 5%, you got to call us or start doing some digging, uh, really understand what you're paying because 5% does seem like uh, quite a bit. So, which is actually a good point. I mean, you, you say that if you think you're paying close to that, most people don't know where to even begin to look for that. Yeah. So how can you, how can you find your fee? I mean, the best way you got to go through your statement, you know, the, the thick thing, which is another thing they might actually be charging you for is actually sending out a statement. It's amazing the things that you're going to get a fee for that you don't realize. But yeah, looking in your plan documents, the summary um, online, if you have access to it online, you can get a description of any transactions that have been charged. Usually the fee is buried in there under yeah. some wordy thing like. Well, it usually, so it, it should be somewhere buried in the, what's called the summary plan description. See, there's the wordy so, thing. So you can, uh, you can look for it in there. Uh, like you mentioned the statement, 
Uh, one of the things that we offer, if you are, if you want, we could do a free fee analysis for you and really help under, help you understand what it is Maybe that you're we'll paying. Maybe we'll look through all that for you. Yeah. And, you know, if you want to get in contact with us, you can head to retireonceshow.com and there'll be a link there to schedule that conversation. So uh, we'd be happy to walk you through just an analysis of what is it that you're actually paying. So, Okay. So with the four hundred one k fees, from there let's let's move to a different direction. How about investment fees? Okay, we could we could do that. You know, I we didn't want to walk through a summary plan description. That what that doesn't sound like fun. I mean, not not really. You know, we could, not for our hundreds of millions of listeners out there or viewers. We're gonna our goal is to beat the Super Bowl. We're looking at one hundred thirteen million. <laughs> then no, we need to stay away <laughs> from reading the plan description summary. Okay, so. Uh, so you said investment fees. I th- yeah, I think that's a, a great place to start because there are some people who don't invest in 401ks, but do invest in the market. And so there's a range of investments that are out there. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about, like I said, the common investments that we see retirement-focused investors investing in. So you know, stocks, stocks, mutual funds, ETFs, e- things like that. Annuities. We're going to touch on all of those. Um, there are others, but like I said, we're going to focus on the ones that retirement focused investors have, have, you know, more commonly invested in. So we'll start off stocks. Obviously nowadays f- trading is free. Some places you might still be charged a commission, but to hold the stock, you're not paying anything to do that. Uh, you might have an account fee depending on where your where you're actually holding that. But for the most part, you know, nowadays- Zero or very minimal. Yeah, nowadays zero or very minimal. I think the most common now that you see are ETFs. You know, and so those are, those are also, if you're not familiar with what an ETF is, it's a passive management. Typically it's a way to buy an index. So if you want to just buy the S&P 500 or buy a certain sector like financials or energy or technology, you could do that through an ETF, which owns- Where you don't have to own the individual stock. Exactly. Because they own individual stocks within that ETF. Absolutely. So within an ETF, there's what's known as an operating expense ratio. So this is an internal expense of the fund that's usually represented as a percentage. So you'll see them as high as three to five percent, but as low as zero point two percent, and so that is the fee that you pay the fund, and you're not actually going to see that fee. So it's taken out of the net asset value of the fund, and what you see is the market value of it. So it's trading on exchange. ETFs are traded like a stock. So if you are investing somewhere and there is a transaction fee. That is something that someone might incur on top of that internal expense ratio. On, on top of the investment fee, possibly. Exactly. Okay. Be, because every ETF, there's there's expenses that go into it just to create the basket. Yes, there's not a manager like a mutual fund, which we'll get into in a minute, but there are there's a cost of putting that fund together. And so that's what the operating expense ratio takes care of. And those do range. So- you know, I've seen a yeah, lot. Yeah, that's a big range there, 0.02% up to 3 to 5%. Yeah, and it, you know, it's really the more niche you get with the ETF, the more cost it's going to incur. So if you're investing in small cap or international or you know some of these really high-tech funds, 
you're going to there's going to be more cost associated as opposed with to just like the the S and P five hundred funds exactly. or something like that something yeah. a little more common exactly okay and so because there's more work and it's harder to get access to you know good research to buy those uh, you know to buy the stocks underlying those individual ETFs so but usually you said that the fee comes off that already like it's not something where if somebody goes out and purchases the fee they're going to say okay here's line item this fee here's yep. Okay. So yeah, it's not a fee that you're going to see. It's not a line item that's going to show up on your statement. It just comes out of the operating value of the fund. So uh, it's very similar to mutual funds. And I think that's what we're going to talk about next. Jump into right? next. Yeah, mutual funds. Those are, this is when you're starting to get into active management. So uh, that's where you're actually hiring a manager of the fund and they're going to buy and sell securities within that fund. And so, you are usually going to pay them a fee. Exactly. And that fee is similar to the operating expense ratio of a of an ETF, but there's also other fees as well. So you've got a few different fees. And this is where this is where things can get a little bit more complicated with fees. It's not as straightforward as ETFs or stocks um, because you've got expense ratios, you've got sales charges and loads and fees, you've got 12B1 fees. And so we're gonna we're gonna have some t- fun diving into That's all of those. A lot of information with fees. <laughs> so where should we start? So let's just start at the beginning. Let's talk about expense ratios. Okay. So expense ratios. Think of it as the management fee. This is the cost to run the fund. Just like you mentioned with the ETF for the the cost to actually have somebody go out and and purchase the fund for it, you. Exactly. Similarly. So the, yeah, there's a so a manager comes together and they want to put together this. We'll call it a large cap growth. So they're going to want to buy large cap growth stocks and they're going to buy and sell stocks within that mutual fund and they're, they want to make money. So they're going to charge a fee and that is an ongoing fee in every mutual fund. Every mutual fund is going to have an expense ratio and that fee is deducted from the total assets of the fund before the share price is determined. So once again, this is not a line item fee that you're going to see. It this is, just comes right off the top. Comes right off the, so if the, if on your statement, the the fund did 10%, you know, it gained 10% for that year, but the expense ratio was 1.5%, the fund actually did 11.5%, you got the net proceeds of the 10. So the investor will see what they actually got. They, they will see the, the end result. They're not going to see Correct. it broken down. Exactly. So you won't see it broken down, but it is, it's important to understand those expense ratios because you know, and as we get into advisory fees down, you know, in just a bit, you know, fees can start stacking on top of each other. And that's where things can get a lot more expensive. And, and so convoluted. Yeah. And very convoluted. So, um, so that's, that's expense ratios. It's important. And that's one part of a mutual fund. One part of a mutual fund. Okay. And what's the next? So then you've got sales charges or otherwise known as load fees. And those are based on share class. So you've got front end load, and those are those are funds that charge you money to just buy the fund anywhere between. So you're paying that right up front. Yep. So if you if the sales charge is five percent, you put in a thousand dollars, automatically five percent comes off. Now you know fifty dollars comes out of that, and only nine hundred and fifty dollars goes to work for you. Okay. So, so that you would see. That you would see. That's that very transparent. Immediately, you know, think of a think of a sa- uh, upfront sales charge. It's like going to Costco. So you go to Costco, you pay for your membership, but when you're there, all the goods are typically cheaper. 
as opposed to you know a no load fund where you know you're not paying that upfront sales charge but when you go the goods are a little bit more expensive when you go to Safeway or Kroger or you know whatever store you're shopping at so a front load is essentially like a membership fee exactly what because pay first because what happens is the expense to be allowed to be there absolutely because okay. the the expense ratio in a in an upfront sales load mutual fund is typically lower than what you find in a no load fund. So, and the no load fund is again, where you can shop at Sam's club or Costco without essentially a membership or so you can go to target if you will, or a place like that. Yeah. So with a no load fund, yes, you, you know, and we'll get into those in a minute. Okay. So the front end again is kind of like your, your membership cost, for being a member at Costco or Sam's Club. Exactly. And so, you know, think of it like that. You're paying that no matter, you know, if you're paying a front-end sales load, that's coming right out of the top. You're going to see that You're fee. paying that first before you even get to be part of the fund. Absolutely. Okay. And then you do have uh, the next type of sales charge is a back-end load. So this is where there's a redemption fee. Typically, it's, you know, in the industry, they've been known as B-share mutual funds. Where so you mean to sell the fund? Exactly. So think of a reverse sales charge. So you buy the fund, there's nothing to buy. There's no, there's no charge up front. So you put $1,000 in the fund, $1,000 goes to work for you. However, there's a sales charge that happens if you actually sell the fund over a certain period of time. So if, you know, in the schedule of, you know, sales charges, you know, if year one, you have to pay 5%, year two, four, three, and you see how it goes down. And after, Usually a couple of years, five or but six years. But you only years. pay that when you go to sell it. When you go to sell it. So if you hold the fund, you don't pay that sales charge. It's only if you uh, if you sell the fund. So that's just something to keep in mind if it is a back-end load fund. And as we were talking about, there are no load funds, or you know some of them are known as C-share funds, where you don't pay anything to get in. Your expense ratio is a little bit higher than what you find in an A or a B share fund. And again, that's the line that you probably don't see because that's going to come right off before you even get your your actual number, that, the performance or what you're doing, right? The, exactly. The, the expense ratio is not, that's a number you're not going to see. It's just going to be baked into the performance there. So a C share mutual fund, those have no fee to get in. But if you sell within the first year, there's a one year uh, sales charge. So if you sell within 12 months, you have to pay 1%. If you um, sell it after one year, that 1% is no longer there. Now, keep in mind with a C-share, typically the expense ratio is a lot higher than those other shares. So depending on how long you're going to own that specific fund, that's where you have to determine what share class you're going to buy. So you should have a good idea of how long you want to hold it prior to going in and exactly. getting a different type of fund. A absolutely. And so those are, you know, those are the big fund or big fees that you're going to notice in mutual funds. And if you're buying all of one fund family, you know, you can actually buy front end sales load mutual funds. You, you know, that they'll actually give you a discount. The more that you buy or if we like discounts, you do like discounts. And so if, uh, if you're basing all of your investments in one fund family, like BlackRock or American funds, and you buy all of their fund family, that, Say that front end sales charge will typically be a little bit lower. So um, just keep in mind, always ask if you're investing in mutual funds, is there a sales charge? What's the load? You know, how much is actually going to work? Understanding what you're paying is very important. And this is true in 
anything, even like you said before, in a 401k, you could still hold some of these funds possibly. And then you would have these additional fees on top of 401k fees. No, so, so typically funds inside of a 401k only have those expense ratios. You know, they're very Good similar. Time. They're very similar to the way an ETF works in a 401k. There's not a, they might have mutual funds within a 401k. And I think that's a, a very common question we get is, you know, if I make changes in my 401k, am I going to have a, a large sales charge? Mo, you know, the majority of 401ks, you know, there's no, there's no fees like a contingent deferred sales charge if you get out uh, or a, you know, a 5% upfront, you know, front end load on a mutual fund within a 401k. Usually you have restrictions on how long you have to hold that fund. And usually it's 30 to 45 days. Every plan is different, but uh, there's not these, you know, large load fees that you'll see in a 401k. So the last fee within a 401k, that's the 12B1 fee. That's something you might see. And that is the, just the ongoing service and marketing of the fund. So um, that's on top of the expense ratio. Yeah, the fees that you already mentioned. Exactly. On top of the sales charge. So these fees are all adding up here. Well, you know, uh, mutual funds, they were very popular for decades. They still are very popular. But as ETFs have come out and investors have gotten a little bit more cost, you know, aware of, okay, what are fees? What are what are we paying? And you start looking at the underlying fees, they can add up really quick. So um, costs do also vary based on the type of fund that you're investing in. So if you're investing in a stock fund, that's going to be a little bit more expensive than a, than a bond fund. If you're investing in a, you know, an international fund, it's going to be more expensive than a domestic fund, small caps, higher than large caps. So you can see where there is going to be more cost depending on the type of fund you invest in. So make sure that so it's almost like the more exclusive it is, the higher the cost. More exclusive. That's a good way to put <laughs> I mean, it. She, see, she's trying to think of this as a high society club. To, you know, have an analogy for this here. Is it because we're watching that inventing Anna show and now you're thinking? Yes, of, that is absolutely why. <laughs> she wants. To, she's thinking about the Anna Delvey Foundation. If you have, if you're unaware, the show on Netflix. And uh, for some reason, we I like it. It's good. It sticks with you. It does. And so now she's thinking of high society world when it comes to mutual fund fees. So. You pay an exclusive fee. Makes sense to me. Exactly. So, uh, so those are ETFs and mutual funds. Those are the most common in investments within a 401k. Obviously, there is some funds that have or some 401ks that have a company stock. So, you know, there's. Do you usually pay a fee on that? Every, you know, it depends on the actual 401k. Most times, it's not just you're not just owning the stock. You're owning actually shares of a stock fund. And so there might be a very small administrative cost to that. But, you know, once again, check that summary plan description, understand what you're actually paying. So those are kind of the common fees that we see on the investment side. And, and that's a long list of common fees. So know what you're paying. Exactly. So we've gone over fees for quite a bit now and my head is spinning with all the fee talks. So I want to take a break to talk about an article that I read that I thought was kind of interesting. It was 40 things that baby boomers think are cool. Okay. <laughs> and it, it just stuck out to me because these are things that, I mean, I know our parents do. We have lots of clients who, who still think are cool. Um, some of the things that stood out were cursive handwriting, which I, don't, I think is a lost art. See, I know you disagree. This is where our, we always talk about the fact that we feel a lot older than we are. Like, I feel like I'm in my mid to late 50s. And, so, <laughs> and in, mentally, I feel like that too. Now, cursive is not something that I, I, 
I don't even think if I wrote something in cursive, I don't think anybody would be able to read it. I don't even think I would be able to read it. You know, I'm, I'm curious. I know they still teach it in school, but I wonder how long that's going to carry on if it's more of a baby boomer thing. Yeah, that's true. Because wa- you, you remember in school, you have to... Yeah. Oh, the letters, the whole thing. I remember. I remember in class, you'd have it along the wall. Yeah, up top uh, yep. as we're really aging ourselves here. I know. That's, <laughs> that's right. And now we're going to start talking about the Oregon Trail soon. <laughs> what else was on the list? Uh, a few other things on the list that stood out. Um, diamonds, which I don't think that's exclusive to baby boomers. I guess my, my point with this list is it's it's interesting to me the things that they say are cool to, to baby boomers because there's so many on this list that I still think are cool or that... So, I know you don't, I so, guess. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think diamonds are cool at all. I don't think you oh, should yeah, either. No, he thinks they're awful. Yeah, they are, they are awful. <laughs> no more diamonds. Um, meatloaf, which is something I'm not a fan of, but you who, are. Who doesn't love meatloaf? <laughs> ding, ding, ding. And I'm not talking about the band. The actual loaf First of, of all, meat. the band is amazing. Dude, the, the loaf of meat is fantastic. And if you don't. Uh, it's not my forte. Uh-uh. I'm not gonna lie. This is something that you know I've I've this thought about. This has been a contention in our marriage. Yes, it has <laughs> for a very long time. Even before we got married, it was. Do I really want to do this? She doesn't like meatloaf. He ordered meatloaf at a restaurant once, and I thought he was joking. <laughs> I did. It was fantastic. And so, yeah, I I think that is cool. So meatloaf is on there. Um, the food, not the band. To clarify, <laughs> toast. Oh. I, toast. I don't understand. It's a cost-effective delicious breakfast on the go. I I remember in like high school and even in college when I had no money, I would just eat butter, toast, a little bit of cinnamon sugar and that I'd be eat like See? eight it's pieces and like that's a meal. Cereal, but it's bread and it's more filling. It's a whole thing. Um, another thing on there was cop dramas. Now this is one I can't get behind, but yes, <laughs> my, my parents are obsessed with these. All of the shows, the NCIS, NCIS all, oh, yes, yeah. all of those law and order, all the law and orders. I think they're the just, season. I think they're bringing back the original law and order. See what I mean? Who are they bringing that for? Just the baby boomers, I guess. Um, and then one thing that was on there that I, this is so prevalent in any home that you go into with baby boomers, patterned wallpaper. I cannot get past this because I remember being young and going to friends' houses and it was like a a sign of class almost if you had a, a room that had wallpaper all over. I mean, bathrooms with all the floral, things like that. That is such a baby boomer thing. Grandma, we're talking, I'm talking to you <laughs> and that floral pattern that you have inside of your bathroom. That's where I saw it. <laughs> Grandma, I think you're cool. You're still cool. My grandmother... Well, she has, she's taken a bike ride, not, not a bicycle, an actual motorbike to Sturgis in her seventies. She's far cooler than we are. Far cooler than I am. Yes. Except for the patterned wallpaper in the bathroom. (laughs) But she makes a mean meatloaf. (laughs) (laughs) Just for some balance there. All right. Last one. Give us one more. We won't go through all 40, but give us one more. Uh, Flip through catalogs. Oh, yeah, I'm not going to lie. Who does not love to sit there with a flip through catalog? Do you remember the JCPenney catalogs? Oh. They, this might be for us 80s babies, but the flip through catalogs, JCPenney's, and you'd fold down the page. Fantastic. The, the, yeah, it was like Huge. that was our Christmas and wish list. You would, oh, we would sit around and like pass it around and just write your name on the things you want. Yes, and, circle, oh, star. It was a whole thing. Who doesn't? Or I remember when my grandma did the Avon catalog. Oh yeah. I don't know why I would look through the Avon catalog, but I did all the time. And there's just, it's the knickknack stuff. And now, I mean, I'm sharper image. 
Sharp. When I get that catalog He's in the mail. He's still like that with it. He's like, we need this. We need this. No, we don't need a portable cooler. Okay. There's nothing in Sharper Image that any human actually needs, but it's fantastic stuff. Yes. I want every item in that catalog, but I need zero. I need none of it. Yet he goes through each page and talks about it. I still flip the little corner and I circle it with my name so that way she knows what to get me for Christmas. Yes, the list is quite long. <laughs> okay, so, all right, the, you know, I know everybody's tuning in for investment fees, so we got to get back to that. That's, you know, you could you all could right, start calling me an fees. old man later. Let's, okay. uh, let's head back to let's fees. Let's carry on. We got a fun one. Uh, annuities. Oh, uh, now that is fun. Now that is, you know. <laughs> We're talking about mortality charts, yeah. actuaries, death benefits. I Should mean, I bring out my NPR voice again? Hello, and let's talk about annuities. See, that voice is what I think of when I hear about annuities. <laughs> so now annuities, those fees are, you know, annuities can be very expensive and very complicated. So it is, it is very important to understand exactly all the fees that annuities have and, you know, what you're paying for that annuity. So I always say that, you know, I had a, I had a conversation the other day and the lady that I was speaking to, she asked me, she said, should I just take all of my money? Cause I'm worried about the market and put it into this annuity. And I go, hold on. I tried to explain what annuities are because she didn't fully a lot of understand. People don't know. They're I, very, they are complicated. They are. I'm just going to say it. They are complicated. So I liken, and I, I think of an annuity. It's like you're buying a tank. Like as well, a car. That's an interesting analogy. Like, well, think about it. If you, you know, it's built for protection. You're not buying, you know, you're, you're not, not buying it for your regular errands. You're not pulling up to someone on the streets in a tank, looking over them saying, I'm going to race you for pink slips. That's just not going to happen. You do that often anyway? All the time. <laughs> I almost lost the car twice. Okay, good to know. <laughs> but yeah, so you're buying it for protection and it's going to, a tank's going to cost you a lot more. And it's not going to go that fast. So it's, so it's not kind of high maintenance. Yeah, it's going to, it's just not going to grow like you want to. People who buy annuities and they think they're buying them for growth are buying them typically for the wrong reason because of the, the fees that are associated with an annuity. So within an annuity, you've got a number of different fees. You've got commissions, administrative fees, surrender charges, mortality expenses, you know, and so those are, you know, those, those are a number of different fees as well as investment fees within the annuity. If you're buying a variable annuity that has investments in there. So you've got all those different fees that add up. And typically you see fees in annuities that can range between two and a half up to 4% per year, depending on the investment strategy within the annuity and all the riders that are on there as well. And, and that so, just goes into purchasing it. Exactly. Or having it. It's just owning it. You know, that, yeah. So just holding it. Not even if you're going to go to sell it, like we talked about before yep. with the mutual fund fees and things like that. Like this is just to have it. Yep. So you're paying, imagine paying three or 4% per year for an annuity. And then if you want to get out of it, you have to you wait more. four or five years, exactly, or even longer, or else you're going to be hit with a sales charge on the way out. So I'm not saying annuities are bad, but they're built for one reason and one reason only. And you have to make sure that that reason fits your retirement plan. I, and I always tell clients, if you're really, you know, you see a commercial about an annuity, let's run your retirement analysis. You know, let's do it with the annuity and without. And let's just, let's run the numbers and let those tell the story. And so that way you can make a very informed decision on what that is. So what about these new no fee annuities? 
Okay. Nothing is free. The sample at Costco isn't That's free. They're it, handing that out. It's not free. It's built in my membership. They're, they're taking that little tiny bite they're giving me. So you're saying that even the new no fee annuity has something. So the, yes, there is no, there's no stated fee on the contract. Then it, you put your money in and it goes up whatever amount you get that back. You know, there is a, there's no cost to it. What you're giving up, ideal. what's taken out, the fee is actually taken out of the upside potential of the, of the annuity. So what you typically see is you put your money in, there's no fee to an annuity, to this certain type of annuity, but it caps your growth rate at say seven or 8% or, you know. So maybe, meaning you're never going to go above that. Exactly. You're never going to earn more than that. Yep. But you're not going to lose money. So it's more of a defined rate of return or a defined investment but you're capping yourself on the upside. So the insurance company, they're able to make, you know, whatever that difference is. So you think about the opportunity cost is really the fee. And so I hear and what you could be missing out on, what you could be missing out on and what the insurance company is going to make by investing and taking on that risk. So if the cap on the annuity is 7% and you know, it's investing in the S and P 500 and the S and P 500 went up 20. Well, the insurance company just made a very large spread because they're only giving you seven. And you're never going to realize that or see that because you've already been capped. Well, no, that is the cap. That's, That's what I mean. Yeah. You're already capped at the seven or eight yep. percent so or, or whatever you, that number So you're is. not going to see that 20 at all. You're going to see the seven. So, um, okay. So no fee doesn't necessarily mean better. It, yeah. It just doesn't. It, it's really, when it comes to an annuity, for, just forget the commercials, forget the sales pitches. You've got to understand why you're buying it. Does it fit your specific you know, retirement plan? And I don't even mean just your investment philosophy of, I don't want to lose money. And we see a lot of annuities taking millions of dollars, especially during volatile markets like this, because it's easy to say- People think they're safe. Yeah. I don't want to lose money. Where should I go? Buy an annuity. Okay. Well, don't make any rash decisions. Start planning. Plan it out. Like I said, with an annuity, without an annuity, that's it. That is important. Which is, I mean, an excellent segue since we're continuing on with the fees portion of, of our podcast here. Um, the cost of, of advice, like what you're, what you're talking about here. I mean, there's, there are fees for what we do as well. Don't get us wrong. We're not sitting here saying, oh, come see us. There's no fees. But ours are a little more transparent. Yep. And by ours, I mean financial advisors in general. So do you want to talk a little bit about what we charge? Yeah. So there are a number of different ways that advisors charge for advice. You've got financial planning fees and that fee could be a, just a standalone fee to that they charge someone to build out a financial plan. Just a flat fee. Just a flat fee. I'm going to charge you, you know, a couple thousand dollars, a couple hundred dollars, whatever that rate is. And that's just for a financial plan that includes, you know, typically doesn't include any investment management. That investment management would be a separate fee. Uh, that's very transparent. Yep. You're going to know that going in. You'll, yeah, you'll know if, if your advisor is charging a financial planning fee, it'll be, it's a transaction. You're paying a fee and you're getting back a financial plan. It's almost like a will a or will trust. trust. Okay. Exactly. Then there's subscription fees. This is where you're doing, you're paying for financial planning. And so you're paying for that plan, but instead of paying that couple thousand dollars, you pay, you know, a hundred or $200 a month 
and it's just a subscription fee, like a gym or anything like that. You know, cable, if you still have that, you can cancel if you want to, but you're getting ongoing advice and planning. And Meaning then, your financial plan would most likely be updated periodically, or exactly. it wouldn't be a one-time plan. Yep. It's so. not, it's not a, it's not a one-time transaction. There's typically more of a relationship involved and you get access to a financial advisor that you can call and say, here's what is going on in my life. Should I make any changes to, you know, my investments or my savings? And you'll have a dedicated person there. Uh, but that also typically doesn't include the investment management fee as well. So that's, you know, you typically would pay the financial planning fee or the subscription fee. And that's just for the plan itself. Exactly. And the investment management fee is, is uh, separate. Then you also have uh, assets under management fee. This, you know, this is probably the most common uh, way that advisors charge. I believe I saw a statistic that like 92% of advisors or something, you know, it was, it was really high. This is the way that they charge clients. And uh, that is charging a percent based on the assets that they manage. And typically that involves everything that is the financial planning, the investment management, you know, ongoing advice. So you wouldn't and have separate fees for any of that stuff. This would just be all of one fee for the assets under management, but you would also get all, most likely, all of the other things, yep. the, the financial plan, the, those kinds of things. Exactly. Now, one thing to keep in mind with advisor fees is that all those investment fees that we talked about before, so ETF operating expenses, mutual fund fees, you know, whether it's, you know, the internal operating expense or, um, you know, sometimes the sales charge as well. Those sometimes, those are also on top of the advisory fee. So it is important to understand, you know, what is it, if you're working with a financial advisor, what, do what are they actually, well, what are they investing you in? Oh, right. Because if you're- The long list of the other fees that we already covered. I think the most common thing that I've seen is I hear from, you know, a prospective client, I'm paying 1%. Okay. That's, you know, that's pretty standard, you know, one to one and a half percent is kind of standard in the industry. It's okay. That's fine. And then I look at a statement I go, well, you're not, you're paying the 1%, but you're also paying, you know, the average, you know, the average fee of all these mutual funds is 1.2%. So you're also paying one plus, plus. 1.2 because your advisor's got to get paid and the person running the mutual funds got to get their money too. They're not doing this for free. So uh, most people don't work for free. So, you know, that's the, um, that's one thing to keep in mind is that if you are working with an advisor and they're charging an assets under management fee, understand the investments within that, you know, that strategy as well, because all those things compound. So that's how advisors get paid. One thing that I always like to point out because I get this quite a bit. Um, I usually get this question once a month, um, from a perspective client of, is there a way that I can just pay you if my account does well, but not pay you if it goes down? So I, what's, a, that's a fair question. So and the, it is one that we get often. It is. It, it's known as a performance based fee. Got this quote here from a, a really good article. It says that, you know, the reality is that performance fees have a very troubled past because while a performance based fee does incentivize the advisor to not be a closet indexer and own a substantially different portfolio than the benchmark, one of the easiest ways to, ways to do so is simply take on more risk and amplify the volatility of the portfolio. After all, if the market rises substantially, they do on as they do on average, a high volatility portfolio will often provide a substantial performance fee in a bull market. In 
when the inevitable bear market occurs, the worst case scenario for the advisor is simply a year of zero fees. So it, I mean, break that down. How does that, how does that translate? It incentivizes more risk because if all you're compensated on is growth in the portfolio, if you're a 80 year old conservative investor, or if your advisor is only making a performance management fee, well, how much are they really going to make if you're a very conservative investor? They're going to want to take a lot more risk than what you probably should be taking at, at 80 years old. Oh, so that's why it's banned for most FAs. It, exactly. And that, but you do see it in hedge funds and you can, you know, the 40 Act, uh, you know, that Congress created that did allow, you know, performance fees and for qualified clients. So that's why you see hedge funds that uh, hedge funds and private equity, those type of investments have performance based fees. But also to keep in mind, there are four hedge fund managers that are in the top 50 wealthiest Americans in on Forbes billionaires. I have not seen one financial advisor billionaire on that list. That's just a, I plan for people's retirement. Now it's, there's a reason why, you know, hedge funds, they charge a lot, but they, and they, they, you know, the managers make a lot of money and they're billionaires because, you know, their performance based fee allows them to take a lot more risk. So, um, that is just, you know, something to keep in mind with performance based fees. I always like to go through that because it's a common thought. It's natural to think, hey, I only want to make money. I only like, want to make money if, if you are. Well, the reality mm-hmm. is, I only want to pay my doctor if whatever they prescribe me actually, actually works. Wor- yeah, that's a, that's a good way to look at it. But unfortunately, that's just not the case. The amount of times I've had a teledoc appointment looking for some antibiotics, and I ended up with nothing, but I still but had... Bill. But a bill. I still had to pay that bill. It happens. So... Um, the last thing that I you know, want to touch on is Vanguard created a white paper where they actually broke down the value of advice. And really, they, they looked at the alpha that an advisor can, you know, that actually delivers. And it was interesting the way they broke it down because they showed that, you know, asset allocation and the determination of a total return portfolio versus income investing, it adds value, but it's too unique to actually quantify. So they actually gave that, you know, zero an additional value that an advisor adds to help determine your asset allocation. Like I said, it's not saying it's not valuable. They just didn't. There's just not enough information there to actually say how. Exactly. Now, cost effective implementation actually added 34 basis points of value. So they're, they're quantifying this as, you know, how much can a advisor relative, you know, realistically charge to and still add value to a client. That's really what the basis of this was. So they can actually, they say that cost-effective implementation is 34 basis points, kind of going back to all the fees that we had talked about, mutual fund fees, ETFs, all that kind of stuff. Um, Rebalancing adds 26 basis points. And you want to be rebalancing. You don't want to end up like we've talked about on previous episodes where the 60-40 model and you don't know what you're in or you might be in something stagnant. Yeah, if you've, you know, like we we mentioned it in our first episode, I believe, where if you're investing in a portfolio that was 60% stocks, 40% fixed income, and the market was up for two straight years, you're probably sitting around somewhere 70% or if not more in stocks. And so actively rebalancing actually adds 26 basis points. Uh, Behavioral coaching adds 150 basis points. Coaching you off a ledge. Off a ledge. That's it. But that is... 
I think that is the most valuable thing. That is the one thing that it's one thing I love doing because nobody likes, nobody likes down markets, but it's a part nobody of wants investing. To lose money. Nobody wants to lose money, but it's a, it's a part of investing over time. And the biggest detriment that I've seen to a retirement, you know, lifestyle portfolio, you name it is deviating from a long plan, a long-term plan. Retirement, as we talked about in previous episodes, can last 30, 40 years. So by making a big change today based on current market movements, is it, it really can you know, put a, you know, a diminishing return on whatever that long-term retirement looks like. So knee-jerk investing, if you will. Yeah. Kind of coaching away from that adds. Yep. And then lastly, asset location. So how are you investing assets? Traditional 401k brokerage accounts, Roths, that adds up to 75 basis points. And then uh, determining a spending strategy, the correct withdrawal strategy adds up to 110 basis points. So 1.1% there. So overall, they said that an advisor could add about 3% in net returns if they're providing all these different things. So you know, if someone's just providing you asset allocation advice and just saying, put your money, 60, 40 stocks and bonds and setting it, forgetting it, you know, that's not going to add much value there. So, you know, it's really the, the behavioral coaching, the planning, all that kind of stuff that really is what adds value. So it's the whole relationship dynamic. Yeah, that is it. That is, that is, that is exactly what it is. So, man, I am, I know it's these tired? fees. <laughs> I, I feel like that commercial. I'm just that, you know, those, those fee commercial, I'm just tired of fees. Yeah. <laughs> fees. Nobody likes fees. Yeah. We got to talk about them. You got to understand them. It's, it's all about transparency. And I think that's, that's the most, if I, you take anything away from this episode, understand what you, what you're paying, understand who you're paying. And just, I'm not saying that fees are bad. I'm not saying that, you know, that fees are good. It's just They're a, part, a necessary evil, if it, you will. It's part, it's part of life. It's part of investing and it's part of retirement planning, but it's just understanding in relative terms, what is that you're, what are you actually getting and what are you investing in? So Hopefully this episode was helpful. We went through a lot of stuff. I know that. A lot of information. All right, a so lot of fee information. Where can people head if they if they want to learn more about this stuff? So you can head to the Retire Once show and we'll have everything linked there. All the articles, all these numbers, all of the, the fees broken down into what they are, just in case you missed anything in all of these lengthy explanations. That is uh, retireonceshow.com. Also, before you get out of here, hit that subscribe button. Wherever you're listening to this, if it's Apple, Spotify, you name it, Subscribe there. Tell your friends. Share it. Let's build this or paradise. YouTube and you can watch us. Uh, I'm Jonathan Rankin. And I'm Melissa Rankin. Thank this, you for joining us. Thank you. <laughs>